Boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Middle East Outlaws podcast, where we're about to get, Adam, extreme. Hey, I like it. I went uh, for it. I like it. <laughs> welcome to episode 16, Adam. Does that sound right? Is that 16? Wow. I think so. Extreme. Yeah. Nah. Yeah, nah. Not so much. Okay, dope. Uh, how are you, Adam? Yeah, I'm okay, thanks. How are you? I'm alright, thanks. I am a little bit a little bit choked, but thanks to the wonders of lateral flow tests, I am COVID free, I believe. Excellent. So at least it's just germs from children. Yeah. Yeah, they still happen. You know, it's, Apparently. it's kind of one of those things people forget about. Mm. Need to start wearing a face mask when putting them to bed at night and stuff like that. Yeah. Really <laughs> make them think I'm a member of the Foot Clan. Something like that. <laughs> Um, will you be partaking in watching a certain Euro semi-final whilst we are recording tonight? So it's going to be on uh, in the background. I'm going to try and not let it be the focus of my attention. Um, and it, because I don't really care that much who wins, I, I'd, I'd rather Italy win, to be honest. But I'm not, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that bothered. So I don't think I'm likely to cheer or cry or anything audible anyway. Okay. Oh, well, that's... I, I mean... A bit of drama might bring us some listens. Yeah, you never know. You never know. And and just for the record, um, I just want to make clear that my solo episode where I escaped in my time machine and watched NXT now has the same number of listens as our last episode, so you can you can feel reassured by that. You yeah. Can, you can stop listening to the episode over and over again on your Spotify, Adam. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I didn't want to think, you know... I was dragging us down in some way, you know, that that would be, I'd, I'd just have to bow out, you know, uh, but if it's evening up, then that's fine. I'm obviously just having a, a the, the, the impact is, is neither here nor, nor there. <laughs> that's, that's, that's as good as it gets, <laughs> really. So here we are in, um, in March 1998. Um, I am starting to... Uh, I texted you the other day saying I can't stop thinking about what we're going to do after we've done 1998. I think I might be getting my head ahead of myself just slightly, given given how far we've got... how far we've come and how yeah. far we've got to go. Yeah, still a while to go here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, here we are in March 1998. Uh, and like, like you said, we're about to get... Extreme. Yeah. That was, no, I'm not sure that was quite as good as the. If you could just cut out the way I said it the first time and then you know put that in. Leave that one in. Cool. Yeah. I do not have those skills, but okay. <laughs> on a scale of, let me think. On a scale of Michael Cole to New Jack, how extreme are you, Adam? 
as a person, um, I definitely closer to Michael Cole on that scale. Um, yeah, I, I I'm definitely nowhere near New Jack level. <laughs> um, what about you? Yeah, definitely a coal miner. Yeah, but um, it's in, yeah. Let's just leave it at watching the extreme and rather than participating yeah. in the extreme. Nobody wants to watch a dark side of the ring about podcasters. No, am I right? Yeah, and we're we're you know there's a reason it's middle aged uh, outlaws. You know that's. I leave, think if, leave the extremities to the young whippersnappers is that what you're saying absolutely they can bounce back I'm, I'm just not sure we could <laughs> it's very true he says <laughs> sitting drinking coffee and thinking hmm is this too late to be drinking coffee 10-8 <laughs> at night so yeah so here we are March 1998 we're here for our first ECW pay-per-view of the year and we were both very excited to watch it weren't we yeah absolutely Um I think I, I I didn't really watch much I've, at the time. I was nowhere near anything ECW, um, and then it's the kind of thing you hear about as you go because you've got an interest in uh, WWF, WWE, uh, WCW, and then it sort of became more familiar with it as the years went on. But mm-hmm. a little bit after the event, pretty much, yeah. um, and then I, I've still got memories. I can't remember what show it was, but you. You gave me one of the pay-per-views on... It was probably a DVD, I would have thought. Um, and I, I watched it and I was like, what, what is this? <laughs> um, and then, then now that the network's there, it's all, you know, available to watch. And it's it's quite exciting to look at something that does really have a different feel to it. Yeah, it definitely does. I think that was a Guilty as Charged pay-per-view okay. um, that got passed around all, all, all us. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all enjoyed a bit of craziness. Yeah. Um, how how did you? How, or should we just jump in? I was going to say how did you enjoy this, but um, should we just jump straight into into the the kind of build up the the ECW Hardcore TV from the night before? Yeah, let's go for it. Because the there's um, what was it, forty five, forty seven minutes or something like that. Um, and it was so. I just found it really refreshing to to watch something that was kind of in this neat package of uh, that amount of time. And uh, it, it it'll be because of the length of it and all that, but it didn't drag. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt like this is the go home show. Kind of went through a lot of the central storylines that were on the go that were going to be covered in the pay per view. It didn't feel like there was an awful lot of space for anything extra. Uh, it was kind of all all about the the business side of selling the the pay per view um, and giving you a little bit of backstory. So it, it flew past for me. It was great. It was it's like a kind of bite size. It was almost like a build up show. Um, yeah. You know, the UFC does these kind of shows before the pay per view, and it, it sets out the rivalries and the fights and all that. It was kind of a bit yeah. like that. It was perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. If 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 WWE if WWF and WCW could do this for us <laughs> in advance of these the rest of these nineteen ninety eight pay per views, that'd be excellent. <laughs> Um, so to, to start off with with our ECW Hardcore TV episode we got a lovely dedication to Luis Piccoli who we spoke about in the last episode who had passed away I assume round about the taping of this episode of ECW yeah. um, he had I think he'd maybe started off there or certainly um, it had been a, a rung on the ladder before he got to WCW and we got a nice um, sort of thing with all the wrestlers in the ring 
from the back and, and uh, we get Heyman doing what he does best really and, and a, a nice a nice speech about Spicoli yeah it, it came across as pretty genuine you know he was saying basically it doesn't matter whether someone that was with us has now moved to another company or did then move to another company if you're ECW you're ECW for life and I think he um it, it came across as that way that if somebody had been there they would forever be remembered as being one of them yeah. um, so I thought I thought it came across really well actually yeah it did um, from there we move on to a promo from the faction The Triple Threat which uh, is made up of Shane Douglas who at this point in time is ECW champion um, yep. yeah ECW world champion uh, yep. Bam Bam Bigelow who is feuding with Taz uh, for the ECW television title. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and Chris Candido, who is one half of the tag team champions. So we've got your kind of high level faction. Um, and joining them is Chris Candido's uh, fiance at this time, Sonny and Francine, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. We get a whole lot of. I, I, <clears throat> I think a text just saying. Triple H totally stole his his game um, persona from Shane Douglas, and apparently it's a thing. But uh, he definitely reminded me of Triple H here. Did you yeah. feel the same? Yeah, I did. I I hadn't seen a huge amount of uh, Shane Douglas doing promos and segments and things like that. I was aware that he was a staple. You know, I I, I think at this point he'd been there been the sort of the first official ECW heavyweight champion then he'd left and then he'd come back right. um, but I didn't see him as this you know guy with a, a lot of charisma a lot of personality pretty good on the mic uh, a good heel um, and he, he I, I was impressed I enjoyed it It there, there are a lot of similarities with various elements of Triple H's character um, but yeah, th- I thought he was really, really strong. He came across really strong because I always thought, you know, he's fine. He's he's pretty good in the ring, but I hadn't really seen this side of him. Yeah, no, he definitely came across like a guy that's right at the top of the company and could could uh, sort of carry it. Yeah. Um, so so we're kind of building up. So what we've got at the pay per view at, at Living Dangerously is we're going to have the tag team champions on either side. Uh, and they're getting to pick their dream dream partner. Oh, was that your call from from? Um, I'm trying to think of somebody in WWE. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> so we've got our tag team partners. They're going to pick their their dream partner, and uh, Chris Candido is obviously in this um, uh, faction with with the champion Shane Douglas. So he picks Shane Douglas. Yeah. Uh, Sonny. I was thinking about this, right? So Sunny is supposed to be engaged to Chris Candido here, right? Yes. And she's still employed by WWE, WWF, and obviously on the on the other shows we've been talking about her, and she's, um, yeah. No, I'm getting her mixed up with Sable. I was going to say she's involved in a storyline with Mark Merrow. No, so oh, I think that's all terrible. Sunny's, all Sunny's really doing is she's going out and like refereeing. That's right. Li- little person matches, and she's you know just doing ring announcing for uh, the cruiserweights as well. Yes, um, yes. But I don't, I don't know that she's really got any 
sort of firm storyline with another. I think she's a little bit involved in the Taka and Brian Christopher story, but not to any great extent. She's maybe involved in us in a backstage storyline with Sean Mike. Anyway, anyway, so Sunny says to Chris Candido that she knows who Lance Storm. I don't know if we've said that Lance Storm is the other tag team champion. Um, She knows who Lance Storm's partner is, and it all seems very like sort of collaborative. And she's going to tell him, and then she sort of turns and goes, "Oh, why would I tell you?" Um, Yeah, which is a little bit odd. She's not like she's never been claimed to be the best actress in the world, has she? Yeah. Um, it felt a bit odd. It felt a bit um, forced, uh-huh. and like they just wanted to have a little bit of drama between them. And they they talk quite a lot about their their personal life and things like that. Um, so and, I found it a little bit uncomfortable. I think I texted yeah. you. Well, I, I feel like on this show, and I can't remember the exact wording. There was maybe a, an indication that he was abusive, and then they turn it round for a later confrontation between them and it comes across that she's maybe abusive to him mm-hmm. um, and it, but you never get much detail or clarity or anything like that do you know what I should have said I should have said that phone when it was ringing was Lance Storm asking if I would be his partner oh man should we delete this stuff and go back <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so I think I think at that point it's kind of left in the air as to who is Lance Storm's partner going to be um, nobody really knows is that right yeah, I mean, you've got the uh, Sunny. Sunny's kind of in a bit of an altercation with all of them. Um, there's a bit of shoving between her and Francine. Candido's very unhappy with her. Bam Bam uh, keeps them apart and then lifts her out of the ring and carries her off. But yeah, you're, you're left... I, I think originally in the segment, Candido comes across as quite confident. You know, he's got the best as his partner and all that. And then they sort of turn it a little bit where he actually comes across as really insecure and needs to know who the partner's going to be. Mm. Um, I've not... He's another guy that I hadn't seen an awful lot of in terms of mic work and things like that. I know he had his tag team runs in WWE, but um, he's sort of playing this slightly cowardly um, (laughs) heel. I found him pretty entertaining doing it. Uh, So did I, actually. I'm the same as you. I hadn't really seen him... Um, a whole lot but I, I did enjoy what he was doing um, so after all this stuff we get a match we get Taz um, versus a man called Bracus, who yeah. we are led to believe is uh, employed by WWF um, he's brought out with a gentleman called Mr Wright yeah. who seems to be some sort of WWF shell seems to be his, yeah. his character is that an, is that is that an offensive word? No, I don't think so. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I hope not. We'll, you'll soon hear about it if it is. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah. I mean, there's not much to this. Taz beats him up. The the crowd are given. This guy's gigantic. He looks a bit I, like uh, what Brian Cage looks like on AEW. Um, the crowd are giving it steroids, which is quite yeah. funny. Yeah, I wrote that he, he just looks a bit ridiculous. He's and they mention he's he's got a bodybuilder background, right. I think, and that's I think they play off as that you know that's why Vince and the WWF would love him, which is he's got hundred yeah. percent true. Absolutely. Oh. Yep. <laughs> Um, 
we get a weird thing where we get still images of a first blood match that Justin Credible and Tommy Dreamer had. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Dreamer does a weird promo in the dark. Yeah. Um, which I never really bought. Sorry, Tommy. But that is not convincing at all. I always found Tommy Dreamer to be quite sort of cheesy when it came to that sort of stuff. Yeah, they're, they're kind of playing a little bit of a weird angle here. They're, they keep talking, actually, about Justin Credible as a guy who the company gave a chance to and he's been intentionally injuring people <laughs> to move himself on his way up the card. <laughs> um, and then the yeah, there's some sort of debate about whether uh, Beulah is going to be in the corner of Tommy Dreamer and they talk about the fact he, he gave her a pile driver once before and that aligned her with him yeah that was weird and then they say that uh, as part of the build up for this I think Just Incredible has given her a pile driver yeah um, and uh, yeah I don't know what sort of character she's being but maybe somebody who goes in the corner to somebody who's pile, given her a pile driver who, who knows that's a gimmick uh, yeah treat them um, mean keep them keen that's what that's what Just Incredible says yeah he, he's another guy I didn't really know much about him, but I've definitely seen a couple of matches that he's that he's been in. Uh, I've seen quite a bit of Tommy Dreamer stuff because I think he was he was basically on every ECW mm. pay per view. I think, um, and he, he he always seemed to be somebody who was quite high on the card, but never quite right at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I enjoyed his matches. Again, similar to you, I'm not sure he was the best promo around. I really like Justin Credible. I think I always liked him. He, um, I think by the time I was watching ECW, he was he was uh, kind of on top. I don't know if he was champion, right. um, but he he seemed to be one of the sort of main guys. And who who could forget X Factor Adam with Albert X Pack and Justin Credible? Well, I I, I did, but <laughs> uh, that that's it back in my mind now. Um, I'll have to go back and watch some of their stuff you won't be disappointed Um, we finish off this episode uh, match wise anyway or or ring wise with a match between the tag team champions Storm and Candido um, which is sort of short and sweet we get a lot of of let's go sunny chance that was a bit um, the highlight here Uh, Yeah. uh, yeah I've not much to say about this to be honest with you no, it was it was entertaining enough. You had the the sort of natural. These two guys are tag partners, but don't get on and are feuding with each other. Uh, Storyline to it. Um, the, the they made a big deal out of the fat Lance Storm. Uh, used Chris Candido's move, uh, the blonde bombshell, which is named after Sunny. Um, and there, there's quite a lot of speculation in match and all that about who the the partner's going to be mm-hmm. for the for the uh, pay per view on the the Sunday. Um, yeah, uh, it, it was fine. It was to to try and move the story along a bit. Yeah, and it did that. Yeah. Um, so the program finishes off one with a a promo from New Jack, um, which I assume was to be portrayed to be in the hood. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, he promises us that we'll get violence at its highest level, which I never doubted. Yeah. Um, we then get like a kind of build-up package between of, of the uh, the feud between Bam Bam Bigelow and Taz, which is really good. Yeah. Um, they seem to have been aligned in the past 
and Bam Bam eventually screwed him over to join up with the Triple Threat team. Yeah. Um, so that's how we've come come to this match. So, uh, like we said earlier, does a really good job of building us up and getting us ready to watch this pay per view. Yeah, I, th- I think I said to you it, uh, after I'd watched it that it, it covered pretty much every match on the card. They do mention things like, I think uh, on that show, uh, the Two Cold Scorpio and RVD match was announced, so it's like that one was added. Um, but the only match that I kind of felt like I was going into a little bit blind after watching that show was the Sandman and Sabu one, because I don't think it was really mentioned. No reference, no. Yeah. But everything else, you know, you, you kind of got an update in terms of where you are yeah. and, uh, and why these people are having a match, which is what you want when you're just dipping into something, really. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So here we are, ECW, living dangerously, dangerously is the <laughs> word. Um, we're in Asbury Park, New Jersey, which is apparently the backyard of Bam Bam Bigelow. Yep. For some reason, I always thought that it was from Chicago. Um I don't know why I thought that, but there we go. Okay. Learned something new. Yeah. Um, and this, uh, much like how the the Taz and Bam Bam Bigelow, um, the pa- the video package finished off the programme, uh, we open up the pay-per-view with Taz walking into the empty arena um, and just looking around and, and saying he's ready to himself. And it, and it feels like we're building... Taz versus Bam Bam to be the kind of centrepiece of this pay-per-view although it's not the main event Yeah, I I kept I don't know if this was just me or if it's too much um, WWF and WCW but I I was just waiting for some kind of sneak attack and then, because mm. he arrives and it's dark and there's no one around, and then he's walking into the building, there's nobody else there. But yeah, it just uh, was what it was. It seemed to be him mentally preparing himself and things like that. Um, I don't know so if, yeah. we've, if we've maybe not felt the full uh, impact of the Bam Bam Taz storyline from, you know, like from only just yeah. picking it up. Maybe maybe it's there's a bit more to it than, mm. than what it felt like. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. So we kick off with the FBI, the fully blooded Italians. We've got little Guido, who I don't know if you're aware of before, Adam, were you? Just yeah, I was. I think he was the... I, I recognised the other names, but he was the only one that I thought, yeah, I've, I've seen plenty of this guy over the years. Because he, he had a role in WWF after... Oh, did he? Yeah, he, he was always he was basically a, a tag team guy, but really? um, he was he was used pretty heavily. I think he would normally be an opening match or you know early on the card thing. Right. Um, he is tagging with his tag partner Tracy Smothers, who is quite the character. Yeah. Yeah, he was. I knew the name when I heard it, and I thought he's he's maybe been in WCW or, <laughs> or somewhere like that. But he's got uh, WCW written all over him, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take take uh, of that what you will. Um, so these two, the whole gimmick is that little Guido is Italian blooded, but the other guys clearly are not, and they're doing all these sort of Italian gesticulations. Um, there's another guy with them. I didn't catch his name, but he seems to be like their manager or something. Like that. Tommy Rich. Okay. Tommy Rich. Yeah. Um, again, I, it's a name that I recognised, but I, I, I couldn't tell you where from or where. Okay. 
Um, so they're taking a, uh, taking on two create a wrestler characters from SmackDown versus Ro- no they're taking on um, Jerry Lynn a young Jerry Lynn who's yep. um, still wrestling in AEW and a gentleman called Chris Chetty um, and we're yeah. told that Chetty seems to be uh, I didn't write it down but he seems to they're, they're talking about him being the product of some sort of develop. I don't know if the ECW yeah, got their own development they said he was the first graduate of the House of Hardcore there you go so wow, um, I assume that was their their development area um, but yeah he was it, it wasn't a name that rang a bell for me so I'm not sure he, uh, he went much further <laughs> I think this business. could have been the heights for him it might have been yeah I did google him to see if he'd maybe um, appeared under a mask elsewhere but I don't, I don't think I didn't recognise anywhere else that he'd been so Okay. Um, I did think he was uh, a really good technical wrestler, actually. Yeah, he was, uh, and there was quite a bit of that in this match, actually. Mm-hmm. Which is, I, I, I suppose we we talk about Styles in uh, WCW with them getting off to a fast start and and that type of thing. It felt like this got off to quite a technical start, it which did. is a little yeah. bit surprising for an ECW show. Yeah, I think um, I was intrigued to start off with, and then very sort of quickly <laughs> into this match the fans start I think they might start a boring chant they're certainly booing yeah um, and I was starting to question why on earth they started their show with this match yeah I, I was sure it was um, needed yeah I, it's a difficult one because I know that through the years they they'd often did have a lot of very skilled technical wrestlers yeah, yeah. on their their roster um, and I don't know if they always made a point of having a match that that was more that way because some fans will want to see that. But yeah, it it I don't know if it went too long. I was just looking up how long it went. It's like eight minutes, eight and a half minutes. Uh, it felt longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like I've I've seen uh, just just uh, you know like to to jump on what you're saying there. I've seen ECW events kick off like said Tajiri, mm-hmm. uh, Jericho, Guerrero. Landstorm yeah. and and they've been really good technical matches and the crowd are totally into them. Yeah, they love them. I just I felt like this didn't really know what I wanted to do between that Tracy Smothers running about doing all these Italian <laughs> gesticulating and 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 Lynn and Chetty clearly were good technical wrestlers. It was just a bit. It yeah. was a bit odd. Um, yeah, a couple of sort of bigger, a bigger spots in this. Jerry Lynn dives to the top rope and hits both guys on the outside kind of gets the fans on side apart for that the FBI isolate Chetty for quite a long period sort of normal tag team affair really yeah Um, and your man what did you say his name was the 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 fake Dusty Rhodes character that was on the outside (laughs) Tommy Rich Tommy Rich ends up hitting I think maybe Smothers with their Italian flag by mistake and Jerry Lynn gets the pin and yeah yeah, interesting start. Not the greatest of starts. Yeah, it was fine. But it was fine. It, it was fine. You're right. It 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 dragged a wee bit, and then I'd, it seemed like they wanted to have some sort of you know dissension in the FBI, mm-hmm. um, and that that was kind of the takeaway story that was going on. And maybe they just wanted to get the uh, uh, Chetty, the 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 young guy. Uh, some experience on a pay-per-view true um, so yeah I, I can see it having a place that it just the crowd weren't into it enough really nah 
and and certainly part of these ECW events is you know the crowd's as big a character as as anybody else. Yeah, uh, the crowds are amazing. So talking about Dragon, and yeah, talking about Dragon, we get uh, our second match of the evening. We get Doug Furness and Masato Tanaka. Um, yeah. And from what we're told, Tanaka was supposed to be fighting someone else, but yeah. um, this Mr. Right guy comes out again, and I think he says that Vince McMahon has bought the other guy's contract or something like that. It was yeah, yeah I, I could I could never tell if they actually intended to have the original match because it was y- Yuki Hiro Kanemura, his, well his name was, oh. and um, he's whether he's maybe no showed or whether this was always the plan. I'm I'm not sure, um, and it does play in with the storyline they've got on the go because it's obvious at this time. You know, Vince is helping finance ECW uh-huh. yeah. um, and he's at times lending some some of his talent to go on their shows uh, we've seen Sonny um, we know that there's there's a few others that pop about um, and they're, they're playing up on it with an angle and with having a mouthpiece and, and all that and, uh, and having Doug Furness on the shows and it, it feels like it's to get a lot of heat from the crowd you know um, and the, he, he actually um Name checks. It's Lance Wright, isn't it? Uh, and he he uh, ends up name checking at the Wright, end of yeah. this a, a few of the bigwigs in WWF at the time, who he's going to report back to because the Furnace is close, but he's not a winner, and uh, he, gets, <laughs> That's uh, right. he gets he gets very annoyed with him at the end of the match, which which he's lost, and he mentions JR, he mentions Bruce Pritchard, he mentions Vince McMahon. And he's going to make sure that the furnace never works on Raw again. Um, so then, what does Big Doug do? Well, well, Lance Wright just keeps getting in his face and uh, it's a bad move. basically won't let him walk away. This is a big guy, you know. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's probably an understatement. <laughs> and then there's a there's a clothesline uh, to poor Lance Wright, and um, it hits him pretty hard. <laughs> and then furnace. Goes uh, goes out onto the outside of the ring, and uh, I, t- I couldn't work out who it was he took an ECW shirt from. Someone ringside staff, someone like that, um, and uh, he tells uh, Lance. He calls Lance right an errand boy. Uh, tells tells him to go and tell Vince to kiss his ass, and then Furnace puts on the ECW shirt and walks out and him putting on the shirt actually got a better reaction from the crowd than I thought it might have (laughs) given what they've just watched yeah (laughs) just there's nothing about him that that screams ECW no (laughs) no no exactly no he's certainly not dripping with charisma no Um, this match I would say the big takeaway for this match was that every time they botched or uh, made a mess of some of the crowd or on top of them, like, it's so fast. There's no room for learning here. Um, The chemistry was murder. Yeah, it was a bad match. It was. Sorry, Doug. Sorry, Masato. Hope not to see you again. However... What what did did you make of... That's all right. What did you make of it? This is, I've obviously seen it before because I imagine they're all like this, but both on the TV and on the pay-per-view, 
you've got uh, Joey Styles doing the, the commentary on his own, mm-hmm. which is something so different to what we're used to in other companies. But he also kind of does the links yeah. and all that. You know, yeah, it goes yeah. to him in his little space where he's, I assume, doing the announcing from, and he's kind of linking the show together. Because uh-huh. we've got him just here talking about the fact that the pay-per-view networks aren't going to allow... Uh, them to show the Sabu v Sandman match which they reference had been taped earlier um, they're not going to allow them to show it on pay-per-view but they're going to make sure they can show it on the home video and uh, as much as they're allowed on TV but it's, I just found it so you know there's so many people in a WWF production you know there's the commentators there's the uh, the ring announcers there's guys doing interviews in between and all that but it feels like it's, it's all Joey Styles uh-huh. I like it I like the way that he links the pay-per-view and um, it kind of feels like... I think if you looked at it on paper, you might think, well, that's going to get a bit overbearing. You're basically hearing his voice. But mm-hmm. he's kind of like the narrator um, yeah. sitting with you, talking you you through what we're getting next. I liked it. Yeah, I, I, I do as well. I can't imagine... I know he went to WWF and then... He, he was on Raw for a while as lead announcer and then I think when they tried to do the ECW uh, WWECW um, shows he was moved to that um, but he he had, I think it was Taz working with him on commentary because they obviously didn't want a one man, you know announcer team and all that but it, with this product it, it just kind of worked. I think so Um just kind of going off on a tangent there uh, very quickly I was listening to Cornette as I tend to do um, and he was talking about reviewing a Smackdown that he'd watched and was saying that right at the start of the show I think somebody had come out and cut a promo, somebody had come out and interrupted it um, and then two more had come out and they'd said well we're getting a tag team match tonight as part of their promos um, and he was saying you need, you need someone you need someone taking you through that rather than letting the wrestlers do it because it just sounds scripted. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I don't know who did we, you know, like if we had the FBI coming out and cut a promo and say, "Well, we're going to have a tag match." Yeah. Um, he was saying if you had somebody teeing it up and telling you why they're having a tag match and, and giving you the background mm-hmm. behind it, it, um, it comes across a lot better, um, which links to what you're saying about about styles and yeah. I liked it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it would work on its own. Um, I didn't ever think like he's missing somebody else on commentary or anything like that. No, no. Um, just when he did that squeaky, oh my god! <laughs> just wish they hadn't done that. But apart from that, it was good. <laughs> um, let me see. So next up, we had. The whole effing show, Mr. Monday Night RVD, Rob Van Dam against Too Cold Scorpio, who is also known as Flash Funk in the WWF. I'm not sure if he was like actually on the WWF roster at this point. Yeah, I, I, I know, I remember it was mentioned in, uh, might have been the, what was it, the Rise and Fall with ECW, that he was a guy that uh, Vince took and he basically paid to make up a difference because there was a sponsorship deal or something like that 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 Scorpio brought in quite a bit of money to ECW for um, and 
it wasn't just losing the talent, it was losing that income uh, that, that Heyman mentioned. Right. But I don't know in terms of the timeline whether that's happened yet or whether that's that's a little bit down the line from here. Because I, I can't even remember when they went out of business. Was it 01? Was it? Uh, did, yeah. like, literally just before, I think, the, the invasion and all that right. happened. Okay. Um, so, what, yeah, this match is. But when I. When I looked at this before, started watching this and looked at Wikipedia and saw that this match was on for 30 minutes, it's, yeah. it's a bit like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to get through that. <laughs> <laughs> um, RVD's a heel here. He seems to be in... He's, he's not necessarily in a stable with Sabu, but um, Bill Alfonso, his manager, is also the manager of Sabu. Yeah. Um, and they're both coming across as, as heels. I loved RVD as a heel here. Think yeah. it showed a bit more of his charisma than it than he normally, or certainly, um, in his run in WWF. I think he showed a lot more charisma here as a heel. Yeah, agreed. The the only thing that I didn't like about the RVD package here, and I, I quite liked that there was the fact that Bill Alfonso existed. He seemed quite good in the role. Aye, but I liked his, him. His whistling all the way through the match. <laughs> <laughs> it was driving me mad. <laughs> um. This, this, I have got a lot of notes for this match. <laughs> this match is incredible. Um, if Two Cold Scorpio Flash Funk wasn't being used by WWF, I was kind of like thinking, why on earth? He was brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. This this is a great match, and it 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 didn't. We talk about the fact uh, what an eight minute match at the start felt like it was dragging, but in this case, a uh, almost half hour match didn't. That just shows That's the difference. Good. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'd never ever got the the feeling because I think in WWF or WWE at a point, uh, RVD's matches became a bit like we've talked about guys before, a bit like Flair, um, and and other people like you get their spots and you you get the same yeah. spots every single match, um, and you knew what you were getting, but I did not feel like this at all. I think because there's that unpredictability of NECW when it spills out of the ring, you just don't really know where it's going to go. Yeah. Um, shall we talk some highlights of this? Yeah. Rather yeah, than absolutely. talk through it, because we could yeah. be here for the half an hour otherwise. <laughs> um, so so at, at one point, quite early on in the match, Two Cold Scorpio hits RVD with... Kind of like a jackknife power bomb, an yeah. absolutely brutal power bomb, um, and from from there he kind of takes control of the match. Um, so we get, I think, <laughs> Tuco Scorpio's doing all these fantastic moves, right? And then he goes up to the top rope and does like, I, I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Like I think it's the finisher that Alexa Bliss uses okay. it just kind of like it's like a splash but it jumps 180 in the air and it looks rubbish do you know what I'm talking so, do, do you know yeah, what splash I'm talking I, about I remember the moment in the match and it's funny I, I didn't put this in my notes but after everything else he's done it's, it's pretty underwhelming when he, when he goes for that and he tries he, he sort of tries that to be he uses that as his kind of way to finish off the match but RVD kicks mm. out he then hits a, a, a moonsault which is class yeah. um, and RVD kicks out that RVD sort of manages to sort of scramble back into 
a position where he's able to hit the five star frog splash, but he hits it right on to cold Scorpio's knees. Yeah. And this is where they spill to the outside. Um, I love this is where I love Bill Alfonso's contribution because he gets the chair, and mm-hmm. you know, like he's really good at like. I don't know, like dictating where they're going. He gets yeah. the chair, gives it to RVD, they th- and that move where the Van Dam throws the the chair uh, to to Tuco cool Scorpio catches it and then hits it with a spin kick is really cool. I think they call it Van Damineer. Yeah. Then we get a fucking pile driver on the stage. Yeah. I thought he was going to jackknife powerbomb him again. So like, yeah. what? No, I think he hits two. Two yeah. pile drivers on the stage. Two cool Scorpio hits two pile drivers on the stage. Yep. Crazy. Yeah, I, and I, I'm so used to pile drivers not being a thing because, uh, well, I think to be honest, in WWF, probably after what happened with Austin, they, mm-hmm. weren't, they weren't used regularly. Um, and I cannot remember the last time I saw two in one match. Oh, it's horrendous. I'm just thinking, he, he hits a pile driver. On the stage, and it's not a, a second part, it's a tombstone he hits him with, yeah, but he jumps. Right. Yeah. It's like a jumping tombstone. What the yeah. hell? It's crazy. It's class, yeah. so. <laughs> it, it, it looks great, yeah, but you do worry seeing things like that. RVD seems fine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's, he's not he's no dealing When you're that relaxed, you know, you're probably able to take some uh, some punishment like exactly. that it would be fine yeah uh, Two Cold Scorpio hits another one of these ridiculous power bombs inside and then hits his 450 splash which again is really impressive I think he hits it I think he hits it from standing on the outside you know like f- yes. swinging off the ropes <coughs> from the yeah. apron outside in which is great yeah um, eventually when it looks like Two Cold Scorpio has got the match won. Sabu enters the fray. Uh, does his classic leg drop off the top rope with a chair underneath his leg. Uh, he just seems to float through the air. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, he hits him with that. Tuco Scorpio uh, kicks out after two, after RVD sort of falls back over, over on top of him. Um, then we get the beautifully coordinated Sandman appears out of nowhere mm-hmm. and uh, sort of chases Sabu round and round the ring in classic Benny Hill manner and then they both disappear <laughs> then sort of out of nowhere we, we've kind of flew, flew through this match given what we're saying but out of nowhere uh, RVD comes off the ropes and uh, sort of does sort of some sort of flying body scissors and rolls two cold Scor- Scorpio up a beautiful roll up yep. uh, and gets a surprise one two three win yeah it was um it was good. There's so much in it, you know. There's so much in the match. Um, there, there's a definitely a moment. It might have been right at the end of the match where Joey Styles makes a point of saying, "Now that's wrestling." You know, love it. Um, Did he really? That's class. Yeah, and I think we we talked earlier about the fact that you know the the fans, much as they want to see their blood and guts, they like seeing a good wrestling match as well, and yep. uh, they they absolutely got it here. Um, and there's a a little bit of. Um, back and forth between RVD and Scorpio after the match, which is I found RVD's heel cheek in what he was saying really good because basically it felt like Scorpio dominated like eighty percent of the match at yeah. least, 
and then uh, RVD said that Scorpio gave him a great match but he kicked his ass <laughs> he gave Scorpio the chance to shake his hand uh, Scorpio says I, I'm uh, more of a man than you'll ever be Mr Monday Night um, Scorpio does raise hands with uh, RVD and then blindsides him but Sabu makes the save he smashes they, him with a clothesline doesn't he yeah they, um, they bring a table in uh, play Scorpio on it he and RVD climb the ropes Sandman makes the save Sandman hit a was it a Hurricane Rana he hit from the top rope yeah but he misses the table well um, Sabu misses the table uh, so the table's just kind of nudged a little bit into the middle obviously I think the plan was that he would go through it but I never thought I would see Sandman hitting a move like that yeah. um, that is, I've wrote here Sandman inexplicably Hurricane Rana's Sabu off a top rope only on a part of the table and clearly <laughs> clearly hurts himself yeah he yeah. looks like he proper ruins his shin and, uh, uh, it's so clumsy we've, we've got this is I think the moment where I thought I wonder if uh, Scorpio is in WWE at this point because he says that he loves ECW and he and Sandman kind of celebrate and I thought that maybe resonates more if he's already made the move mm. Um but you've got uh, the the only thing, and I really enjoyed this. I thought it was great. They've sort of hyped the violence in this Sabu Sandman match, which you know has already taken place and been taped <laughs> earlier. <laughs> but they've both ran in, so they're, they're just, obviously both fine. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> uh, point. It was the only thing that I felt was a little bit of a negative about it. If their match had been later on the card or something like that, then absolutely fine, no issue with it. But it's just the fact that they'd built up that it must be incredibly violent because the pay-per-view networks weren't going to let them show it. Yeah, that's a good point. I never even thought about that. Um, I did like Sandman's dancing here. Two, two Cold Scorpio's <laughs> got some good moves. Yeah. Um, and they share a beer and Sandman's trying to dance with him. It's, it's quite funny. Nice. <laughs> um, next match, talk to me about... Uh, put my teeth back and talk to me about how much you enjoyed the entrances for the Dudleys or the, or the, um, the, aye, the, the introductions of the Dudleys okay so um, Joel Gardner he, <laughs> he just really makes me laugh <laughs> um, he, he always seems to go pretty offensive in his uh, introductions and he, he he talks about initially I think about Big Dick Dudley taking liberties with someone in the crowd's mother um, <laughs> the, 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 the gentleman in the crowd was, uh, sh- was certainly working himself into a shoot he was getting very excited <laughs> and uh, says he's now recognised as your father <laughs> that's um, class he says, he says something about I'm like milk, I do the body good or something like that Um, and he calls himself and I'm sure he's used this a few times the quintessential stud muffin (laughs) uh, which is just brilliant Um, and uh, what's the last bit I've got written down Uh, your girlfriend has me on speed dial because she loved the way I star 69'd her yeah Yeah, it's just um, what a poet (laughs) yeah I find them hilarious and I know it's really immature and all that but it just makes me laugh every time I hear him speak I think I would normally just be like oh for god you know like this went on for I don't know like 8 to 10 minutes the introductions I think normally I'd have just been like come on girl but I just found it I found it really funny (laughs) this whole thing about Devon Dudley being a cruiserweight um, they're getting on top of him because he's 
starting to announce them as like 200 and something and they're like hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I like see that, that being so. announced as 160 or something, or something 160 now. something totally ridiculous <laughs> I found it interesting that Devon was doing all the testify stuff and all that even back back here yeah yeah and it made me wonder because they had who was the other guy they had was it sign guy yeah sign guy Dudley he was good to me and uh, but obviously when they brought them into WWF they I think just wanted the two and they're you know they're the team that are doing the work in and things like that but I wonder if there was ever a moment from Vince where he thought Joel Gardner Bring him in. <laughs> he's, he he seem, he screams sort of sports entertainment. Just tone it down. Uh huh. Maybe yeah. even a bit. Not even need to tone it down given what they were doing. Yeah. It's, it's odd, isn't it? And that big, you know, like Big Dick Dudley, um, mm-hmm. as well. I don't know if he was a wrestler eventually or whatever. Yeah, but I mean, he was. He's massive. Big guy, like I. Yeah. He is big dick. Yep. Um. <laughs> so this was a three-way dance, for some sort of. So, so a three-way dance in ECW is an elimination tag yeah. team match, I think. So yeah. we had the Dudleys versus Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten versus Spike Dudley, Little Spike Dudley and New Jack. Um, Balls and Axel come out and they're not hanging about. They've both got their... What were they called? The chair-swinging maniacs or something Hard like that? Co- hardcore <laughs> chair-swinging freaks. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something from Mad Max or something. Um, so they come out. They seem to be popular with the fans, I guess, because they plant people with chairs. Um, yeah. And yeah, the Dudleys are not hanging about. We get the Dudleys and Balls and Axel going at it. Um, Bubba starts things off as they mean to go on by absolutely smashing Balls Mahoney with a chair right yeah. at the start. It's absolute chaos. Oh, it's brutal, some of this. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Um, then you get the music kicking in and unfortunately for us we're getting some sort of generic gangster rap song dubbed over what should be New Jack and Spike Dudley's music. Um, which is Natural Born Killers by Dr. Dre and Ice Cube and, and you were telling me that that during New Jack matches his music normally just plays the whole match Yeah, I don't know if it's a every match thing but I've definitely seen it happen before because I, I was saying to you I, I didn't mind it I, I didn't know what song it was supposed to be like you say it was a pretty generic you know, hip-hop track that was playing uh, they've obviously not splashed out for, uh, for Dre and Ice Cube but I thought it did just make his matches feel a little bit different. Um, the fact the music is playing when they come out and it just continues to play all through the match. Because um, this this match had become messy very quickly. As soon as um, they come out, it's just absolute madness. Yeah, and uh, I don't know how much of a, a wrestler New Jack ever really was. <laughs> I know you know there's a lot of swinging of weapons and things like that, and I know Spike just every single match seemed to take a hell of a beating that that was just his mm-hmm. thing um, and somehow always uh, survived it because some of it just, he's, he's compared to everyone else that's always in there he just looks so wee and uh, <laughs> it's obviously easy for people to throw about and things like that but oh, it, it is a it's a mess of a match it's a total mess um, I, I often hear if you ever listen to um Bruce Pritchard 
talking on his podcast that this is the kind of reason he he just didn't play <laughs> ECW and he knows they had matches like you know Guerrero and Benoit and stuff like that but he, he can't get past this just these car crash matches um, and I think it's often put back to him well you guys tried to steal that you just didn't do it very well you yeah. know um, and it's you know it's a fair point but I did at times just find this a, a little bit hard to watch you know everything it's just a total mess it is and it's all kind of if we're talking about one bit of the match if it's all kind of built around as they spill into the crowd um, you've got the three teams going at it and suddenly Spike and New Jack appear on top of the balcony uh, and it, both Dudleys are put on tables <sighs> yeah, Spike and, and New Jack dive off the balconies and hit the Dudleys both of them and go through tables and they just rattle <laughs> off the floor like that's yeah. clearly a concrete floor with yeah. nothing between them they're flat oh god it's horrendous <laughs> It looks spectacular. Oh, it does. That, it does. B- before really. before we actually watched this show, I was looking for a, a gift to send you, um, <laughs> and I, I think I just I just typed in "living dangerously" right. uh, into the the gift thing, and it is actually the gift is Spike and uh, New Jack throwing themselves off the balcony and through the tables but we didn't know for sure that it was on this show yep. until we I think once the match started I started thinking hmm, hmm. this could be it yeah it's uh, mad it's crazy like we've seen Jeff Hardy do crazy things uh, yeah. I'm immediately thinking of Madison Square Garden 2000 Royal Rumble where he jumps off the balcony and does a swanton I think through a table and Bubba Ray Dudley yeah um, but this is nothing like that this yeah. is like your mate climbing up a wall I don't know climbing up Tesco wall and jumping off on a Saturday night when they're, they've had a few too many and just rattling their head off the concrete it's absolutely mental yeah yeah I, I, you do wonder as you're watching it there's obviously people have suffered long term things and all that but how everyone in this match is actually able to walk away from from the end of the match it, it seems crazy because it's just it, it looks amazing but it's horrendous Aye. you know it's uh, all in one package it looks brilliant but it's terrifying yeah like I, I, we eventually get back to the ring and the next thing you know pretty soon after this uh, Spike Dudley's doing one of his, his bulldogs off of you know these uh, yeah. run up the rope bulldogs I'm like how's he how's he there <laughs> I, I assumed that was them going to be out of the match yeah um, but we get back to the ring and, and Balls Mahoney gets 3D'd they're eliminated yep. Spike and uh, New Jack hit the Dudleys with guitars which I don't know where they came from yeah one of them looked like a gimmick gimmicked guitar one of them didn't (laughs) (laughs) funnily enough the one that New Jack was swinging Um, Spike hits a bulldog and and New Jack and Spike win but this is all about that balcony uh, spot it's amazing yeah and rest in peace to New Jack Um, yeah enjoyed this Uh, yeah definitely enjoyed it but yeah, I can see why people wouldn't enjoy it yeah I, I imagine 
there, there's probably different groups of people. There's some people that'll be like, ah, I'm not watching this. That's it. I'm, I'm, I'm done. ECW is not for me. But uh, it is entertaining in a kind of a car crash type Aye, way. You, you kind of can't look away from Aye. it. Totally yeah. agree. Um, yeah, there's no. Fr- from here on, where did we. From RVD, this RVD match, there's just no stop. There's no sort of um, time to catch your breath, I, w- I would say. Yeah. Um, and I think I was. I felt pretty. Uh, exhausted by it all by the time I got to some matches but anyway um, we'll kick on with it we had an odd basically I've got written here some nonsense with Jenna Jameson um, yeah. she gets a good pop for the crowd shockingly um, she she says that she she comes out with a microphone and says that she is the new ECW Roven reporter or some Mm-hmm. Like something that. like that yeah, yeah. Um, and she wants to get an interview with Justin Credible before his match with Tommy Dreamer yep. he comes out and sort of stank faces her and says he's not interested uh, she gets some abuse from a guy called Jason I don't know who Jason is that comes yeah, out with him yeah I've, I've only got Jason written as well I think that's all he's referenced as and then Someone else that comes out with them, uh, I've got written down here, is absolutely fucking terrifying. Um, yeah. And that's Nicole Bass. Yeah. Who we know... Well, she was in WWF, wasn't she? Yeah, um, I think... I don't know whether she's maybe under contract with them and she's been sent here for right. a bit of TV time and things like that because I'm pretty sure she's already appeared at WWF at this point, which she is terrifying. She is jacked. terrifying. Yeah. Um, so Jenna Jameson says well do you know what I didn't want an interview with you anyway I'll interview somebody that I want to interview and Tommy Dreamer comes out and plants her with a kiss and it's just all a bit nonsensical Um, but that kicks us off with our our Tommy Dreamer just incredible match Um, did you enjoy did you enjoy this I thought it was okay Um, I I I don't know what I, I think I always just associate Tommy Dreamer matches as being pretty violent um, to not refer to himself as the inventor of violence or something like that um, but yeah I think I, I always knew there was going to be a, you know some uh, objects involved there's definitely a chair at a point with a DDT mm-hmm. uh, quite a few weapons involved in the match early on there's I thought quite a nice moment when um the uh, Tommy Dreamer hits uh, what they call a Spicoli driver. Yes. Uh, obviously, as a, a tribute to Louis Spicoli. Like that um, too. And then there's a distraction from Jason. Uh, but just incredible. Yeah, as I said, DDT and Tommy Dreamer on a steel chair. Um, yeah, reverse. He hits him a reverse DDT. It looks brutal. Yeah. Great. We've um, we've got Jason and. Um, uh, Nicole Bass providing some distraction <laughs> uh, helping Just Incredible basically keep control of the match uh, we've got Beulah then walking out 
and seeming to align with just incredible. I don't know how he didn't see this coming. I did. <laughs> uh, I didn't. She, <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, she goes up to just incredible as he's standing in the ring and then uh, goes to sort of put, she has her hands on him like she's about to embrace him and then uh, hits him with a low blow. Uh, and then she kicks Jason. Low Jason, Jason also gets one, eh? Yeah, I don't don't even know who he is, and he's taking a low oh, blow, and geez. then a, a DDT, um, and then Nicole Bass comes in uh, and puts puts it in a I think a bear hug. That's, that's the I best mean, way I can describe yeah, it. It's effective. Yeah, um, and then we've got so Mikey Whipwreck, who is a bit of a ECW legend. Yeah. Um, I think he went ages without winning a match. He was basically a a sort of really well-known jobber for a long time. He would lose his matches, but the crowd loved him uh-huh. because he would just keep going back for more. There was no quitting him. And he is referenced as one of the, the people that's been intentionally injured by Just Incredible through this, this run he's been having. Um, I've got written in my notes, slightly horrified, was there nearly a Nicole Bass <laughs> wardrobe malfunction? She, she she kind of breaks character momentarily and kind of goes ooh and sorts herself out that's brilliant yeah that was almost too much for me that moment um, did, did it not make you wonder what a like a jacked boob looks like no I, I just don't want to know okay um, trap jack trap yeah okay uh, we've got Mikey Whipwreck taking out Nicole Bass Um and then just incredible hitting him with one of his his crutches, uh, and then Tommy Dreamer. This has all bought him some some recovery time. This interference, uh, and he whips just incredible in the the corner turnbuckle pretty hard, and then hits DDT for pinfall win. Um, yep. I thought it was quite entertaining. Um, there's a there's a lot of interference in it. Uh, a hell of a lot of interference <laughs> in it um, but I think it, it probably is just what I expect from a Tommy Dreamer match to be honest Aye. Aye, I thought it was alright as well you have to question Mikey Whiprep Mikey Whiprep coming out with a um, you know like a boot on and mm-hmm. in uh, crutches with crutches um, I don't know how uh, effective he could possibly have been mm-hmm. but then again he, he helped he helped his boy win so yeah yeah alright it was alright it was good Um next up on the card we had Taz and Bam Bam Bigelow so a big match that we've been building up to Um yep. and I have to be honest with you Adam I think it was at this point that I started to feel a bit exhausted okay. Um <laughs> as far as the sort of constant intense action Um yep. I kind of struggled with this a little bit until um, until Taz and t- so so they, they start off and they're just like Taz is struggling to lift Bam Bam yep. um, Bam Bam's pretty huge and we know that Taz is quite small compared to sort of your average wrestler of course he's, he's stocky um, mm-hmm. but he's quite small and he, he's struggling to lift him and of course Taz's whole thing is that he's this human suplex machine but they spill it outside and Taz looks as if he's going to try and suplex, so a T-bone suplex, yeah. bam, bam, in the crowd. Yeah. Um, and I'm th- I was just thinking, oh, he's going to try and do it and pull up and say, you know, like my back, I can't lift him. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. 
he actually T-bone suplexes him off the stage into the crowd and proper wrecks his neck on the on the guardrail. Yeah. yeah. What the hell? That was, yeah. that was crazy. It, it looked like one way or another an injury is unavoidable <laughs> with that. Because he is... Bam Bam's huge. Hey. He's, I think it can be misleading at times because he's still pretty agile. Uh-huh. He, he can still move, but I don't know what sort of weight he'd be, but he's big. And like you say, Taz, I don't know, he's he's not a tall guy. He's stocky. You would think he does have quite a strong neck and shoulders and all that. Um, and it's not to say he, he, he wouldn't be a strong guy. No doubt he is, but... I would never have imagined he would have been able to, to perform that move at all and then it, it looked pretty bad in the aftermath as well Oof. it's almost like his, his neck was on the guardrail and bam bam mm-hmm. sort of came down on his head yeah mental yeah and, and talking about um, Bigelow being uh, agile he does he does a cartwheel off the top rope yep um, which was spectacularly not very effective <laughs> um, but aye he does a, he, when he was got a top row but I do remember him doing these uh, he did like a diving head but didn't he when he was in WWF yeah yeah and he, he he had a few moves and he, he I, I'm sure I remembered him doing like a, a moonsault type thing as well in his WWE days and he's, he's got similar here um, yeah it's it's quite a, an interesting dynamic through the match because I talk about you know how a few years ago you started getting the the dueling fan chants, um, yeah. and here you've got Taz who is a babyface, uh, but he's in Bam Bam's hometown. Bam Bam's a heel, but he's clearly got quite a significant part of the crowd. But there were there were some dueling chants for both men. The crowd were pretty into this match, um, and it's uh, it was. It was a pretty good. I, th- I thought it was. Uh, it was hard hitting. It looked pretty stiff all mm-hmm. the way through, um, and I, I think I've heard that is how Taz worked, and I'm pretty sure that's how Bam Bam would have worked as well. But I, I think that, in a way, kind of added to it because it it felt a bit real. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it it was it was quite entertaining. Um, but I, I think it was you know so much of this is set up for for where they go with the finish really. Did the finish shock you? Or or did, did yes. you see it coming? I I knew this had happened in a match that featured Taz. Ah, right, okay. I couldn't remember that it was this match and I couldn't remember who the opponent had been. Right. Um, so I, when it actually happened, I, I was like, oh, because, oh, yeah, I've, I've seen it in other companies in other matches uh, uh, but I don't know if, if it had been done before this time here I'm not sure about that I thought it was great I, I had no idea so so what happens is Taz applies the the Taz mission um, we have Bam you know like, as we've said like Taz is or, or Bam Bam significantly bigger than Taz yeah. um, so Taz has got Taz mission on and he ends up sort of jumping up into the piggyback position and uh, Bam Bam's trying to get him off and he's sort of um, teetering around the ring and he throws himself back to land on top of Taz like we've seen um, in lots of different matches and instead of hitting the canvas they actually go right through the ring 
Um, it was genuinely shocking to me, and I've wrote I've wrote that down here. This was genuinely shocking. Yeah, um, I, I really enjoyed it because there's so much of this that to me felt logical. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are the smaller guy, which Taz was, you go for a move like the Taz mission. You know, it it, it makes sense. You try to wear him out. You try to make him submit or make him lose all his energy and all that. If you're Bam Bam and you're the big guy and you've got someone on your back, it's such a logical thing to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when it when it happened, I did go, oh, and then I thought, ah, oh, that I, I just loved the fact. To me, it made sense. Yeah. So Bam Bam come emerges first. Um, I was quite taken aback at the lack of smoke or anyone with a mask on or you know like a like a like a scary clown type character <laughs> Adam <laughs> um, but Bam Bam emerges first and pulls Taz out and pins him which again is logical like that was a horrendous bump and we're not getting one two and a half kick out yeah. and it continues like it logically finishes which I really liked yeah it didn't feel like it, it hurt Taz this defeat uh-huh. um, and of course he would get pinned by that you know, yeah. like it makes sense totally, and like yeah. you say, it doesn't hurt him. Yeah, I agree. I love Taz here. Um, I think it texts yeah. you. You know, like uh, he he cut this brilliant promo on the program, which I don't think we mentioned, um, or it's maybe part of the package or something like that. But I'll, I'll mm. really like this Taz. I never thought we got this Taz in WWF. Yeah, and I was so optimistic because when he first appeared they gave him the huge win over Kurt Angle mm-hmm. at, I thought was it a Royal Rumble yeah, I yeah. think same one um, 2000 I think and it, it felt like ah they're they're really going to push this guy who I hadn't really seen but I'd heard about um, and I thought is they've I mean Angle was on a on a rocket to the top at that point mm-hmm. I think it was his first ever defeat mm-hmm. um, and the fact that they gave him a win just made me so hopeful but it, they, they never built on that at all unfortunately T- tell me if I've if I've imagined this or if I've heard this somewhere I'm sure if I've heard it you probably heard it um, so Survivor Series 99 is that when Austin got knocked down yeah I think so so it was proposed <laughs> do you know where I'm going yeah, I think so. <laughs> so. It was proposed that when Austin got knocked down, that the car would then slow down or slam on its brakes and the boot would open and orange balloons would come <laughs> flying out the trunk. Yeah. Am, I, am I making that up or is that legit? If, if you are making it up, you must have said it to me <laughs> as well because it's ringing a bell, yeah. And it was going to be Taz that knocked him yeah. down. Yeah. Because... Because, <laughs> because, a man who walks about with a black towel on his head from Red Hook, <laughs> who's known as a human suplex machine, would definitely drive about with helium-filled orange balloons in his boot on the off chance he could take out Stone Cold Steve Austin. Absolutely. How crazy is that? Eh? I like what. what I, Imagine the mindset you'd have to be in to watch someone like what we've just watched and then think, do you know what would be good? I've got the perfect way to introduce them to a wider audience. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Fucking mental. Uh, anyway, because of them falling through the ring, we get this really 
awfully staged argument between Joey Styles and <laughs> and uh, Paul. Is he dangerously at this point, or is he Heyman or uh, I Paul think Lee? They just refer to him as Paul Lee. Yeah. Um, buy us some he, time. Buy us some time. He's saying to Jerry Styles. And eventually, sorry, we got to say something there. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't love Heyman here. I felt I don't know. It, it didn't. I felt like his side didn't work. I, I did quite like some of uh, Joey Styles' um, pissed off reaction to everything he's being told to do, and he does go over the top with it. But <laughs> I quite, I quite enjoyed it. I don't know why. I think it's just I could see if you're the guy that's trying to hold the show together, basically, and. Uh, you know this side of it from the guy who's running it who knowing Paul Heyman is maybe what he would do in this situation hmm. being like yeah we got to keep the show running you got to think of something think of something and just leaving it on poor Joey Styles and then obviously when they they come up with this solution um, to show the match between Sabu and Sandman that they had previously been told they couldn't show um you get a really over-the-top reaction from Joey Styles about the fact that he's not going to take the phone calls, he's not <laughs> going to listen to the complaints, he's not going to, you know, speak to the all the, the the groups and companies and all that. He even has to do that himself and all that. And I thought, I've heard so much over the years about the fact in ECW, nobody was just a performer. Everyone had another role mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talk about, I think one of the Dudleys was like, you know, in marketing and stuff like that, there was there was someone who uh, was like making posters, and th- th- it might have been Taz actually uh, came up with a lot of the artwork and things right. like that. So loads of people had two jobs, and I was thinking to myself, I wonder if Joey Styles was actually <laughs> the guy that Heyman would just say, "Ah, can you speak to this group of unhappy parents or something like that?" <laughs> Maybe maybe that's where the, the balloons come from. Maybe Taz did have a flair for the dramatic. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm saying this is awful and and, and it's clearly uh, a work and all that sort of stuff. But there was part of me that was like, I wonder if they were genuinely supposed to go through the ring or not. Um, I'm sure it was part of the, the show, but yeah. Yeah. They did get me a little bit, I have to admit. <laughs> so we get shown this match, a Sabu Sandman match. Um, so so whenever people you know you, you spoke about was it Bruce Pritchard you were talking about saying yeah. like a lot of time they used weapons to kind of hide how poor the wrestlers they were mm-hmm. he must be talking about Sandman a lot of time yeah I would have thought so because folk like Sabu have a lot more about them Sabu's you know, brilliant yeah is I mean the, the athleticism and the risks he takes and everything like that I mean he he must have influenced a hell of a lot of other mm. workers. Mm. But, yeah, Sandman, he's just this... I don't know, he's big. He's, uh, you know, he's got his stick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he he looks pissed off all the time. He's smoking, he's drinking, all that. But he's he's not a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a stuntman, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Um, he takes a hell of a beating here. Um, yeah. I loved I loved the whole thing of RVD being the one that comes out initially, uh, and he's he's acting like Sabu. He's he's uh-huh. dressed exactly like Sabu dresses, the kind of half baggy um, trousers on, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it, it does a really good job of distracting Sandman um, before Sabu can then come in and, and start taking over. Yeah, I like that as well. It kind of reminded me of remember with Kurt Angle. 
was it Eric Angle? Yeah. His, his brother? With the something similar when yeah. he was he'd done the intro and the lights were down then he went to the corner and then at a point Lesnar realises it's not him um, yeah that, it was well done It's uh, that's just good storytelling clever I think, yeah. yeah so eventually they get to a point where Sabu starts messing about with the guardrail um, and he does a bit of redesigning and he sort of creates himself a little corner on which he can perch a table mm-hmm really where a table shouldn't be going yeah. and put Sandman on the table and I, I love how Sabu there's no like theatrics he just goes up to the top rope and jumps there's no like <laughs> yeah. oh is he going to do it he just goes for it yeah and I, again I think that plays into the character what did, what did they refer to him as homicidal genocidal suicidal or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. and it, 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 if the guy is willing to you know, take any risk going to to try and do what he feels needs to be done, and also there there is a logic to it as well because why would you wait? Why would you give the guy an opportunity to move? Totally. You know, and Sabu, with the type he is, you know he's done all these moves before. You know he's he's always going to take the risk. So I think it, it plays well into him. And you're right, he just he's up there and then he's down straight away. Yeah. There's a bit in this match where they're uh, over the other side of the ring and they're on this stage that runs to the ring um, and they're, you know, dueling out with some crazy violence and I just looked in the crowd and there's this guy in a pair of shades laughing away at himself and he's got like what appears to be like a seven-year-old boy with him (laughs) and they're right in the front row and I remember thinking like, like, no... Yes, yes, because how amazing would that be to be that kid? But I don't think this is an appropriate environment for a kid. The guy looks like he's absolutely loving life. It's class. Do you know who? Oh, did, did you notice him in the crowd? I, I didn't. I wish I had. But do, do you think in that type of situation, the guys just said to the mum and the kid, ah, we're, we're going to the cinema, they're showing like. They're showing all their Jurassic Parks back to back or something like that. And then he's like, now we're going to go to an ECW show. Don't tell your mum. Oh God! <laughs> they get a phone call for school, and the, the the kid's been pointing to the sky and th- chucking his classmates through tables. <laughs> um, this is just this has got a brilliant end to it. Um, RVD. Uh, the referee takes like a, a really terribly choreographed bump where he's like mm-hmm. holding a table up. For for there's, there's no logical reason why he's holding that table up, but he takes a bump, and RVD comes back out and he, he hits a, his five star frog splash on Sandman. They're back on the outside, and RVD and Sabu on the top ropes. Sandman's on a table on the outside on the stage, and they just hit a double leg drop through the table, yep. and it's absolutely brutal. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, a great finish, and you want it to be because of the character Sandman is. You want it to be something big that that takes him out. Because mm. much as you know, he's he's limited in ring and all that. He's another one of those that that they they want to show that he doesn't have any quit in him. Mm-hmm. He's just going to keep going. So it it made sense for it to be, you know, the unfair advantage of the two on one, and then uh, it's it's one of the best for. Remember in the old days when you had tag teams like the Rockers. And you, you, we then went years without really seeing, you know, real choreographed moves. I thought it, it looked like it was two guys that, that worked together all the time. Yeah. The, time, the timing on it was brilliant. It was perfect, aye. Yeah. Um, 
Did Sandman ever get work in, in WWF or? I don't really I, remember. I, I only remember, I think he was involved in the uh, the one night stand, maybe the first two. Oh, okay. But I'm not sure if he ever signed up when they relaunched. Right. No surprising, but. Yeah. Um, sorry, Sandman, giving you a bit of shit. But um, I'm sure. Hopefully, please don't come and hit us with your stick, as Adam said. <laughs> uh, so that I mean at this point in time um, the, the show's been pretty intense and we're now sort of building up towards the, the main event but I feel like the main event kind of falls short um, like if you'd finished off with Bam Bam Vitas with, and then the yeah. S- Sabu V Sandman it would have been um, it would have been a good show yeah. um, but uh, here we go we've got Chris Candido and Shane Douglas versus Landstorm and his mystery partner. Yeah. As Candido and Douglas are walking out, so so sorry, I should set the scene. Uh, Al Snow is supposed to have had a match, but because of the, I don't know who he was supposed to be fighting, but Al Snow's supposed to have had a match because of the hole in the ring shenanigans. They've had to cancel that match. So all throughout the crowd. There are lots. Uh, pretty much everybody in the crowd has got like a polystyrene head. Mm-hmm. Um, so as Candido and Douglas are walking out, somebody cracks Francine square in the face with one of these heads. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. She uh, she does she does really really well just to not even acknowledge it as class. <laughs> Um, but the crowd are going absolutely mad with these heads Um, I assume Al Snow was pretty over here yeah I think he must have been I mean I can't think of what his timeline would have been in terms of WWE work here because I remember he went through a whole programme with I think it was the King who was going to get him signed but then you know was just using him for his own purposes and stuff like that and um, I can't think here whether he's actually had a bit of a WWE run or, right. is, or if that's still to come. I'm he's, not sure. he's definitely due to go to WWF soon. I think maybe, did they right. say their next pay per views like Wrestlepalooza or something like that? Yeah. I think he goes yeah. after that. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, there's there's so many of, of the, the heads in the crowd um, and. You know, they, they've handed them out, obviously, so everyone's got them, but I suppose the fact people are actually holding them up and, you know, it, it is just a demonstration at that point of how over Aye. it must have been. Yeah. So we get... The, so the whole mystery is who's going to be the the tag team partner, Lance Storm, and Sonny grabs the mic. She's wearing a big, long uh, jacket to sort of conceal what she's wearing. Um, and, yeah, in our very... <laughs> In a, a very dramatic uh, sort of way, as she she speaks, she she pulls her coat off to reveal that she's wearing wrestling gear, and she says that the partner, she is Landstorm's partner, and and Jerry Styles is is think on commentary is thinking this is a brilliant move because Candido's never going to touch her, he's not going to let Shane Douglas touch her, so great move by Sunny and Storm. Yeah, uh, I, I, I wasn't so sold as, <laughs> as, as Joey was there because all I was thinking was so basically it's a two on one handicap. Uh, it's a handicap match, match. <laughs> and that's exactly what then happens. Yeah. Um, 
they start beating on Storm. Uh, Shane Douglas has got a Boston Crab on Storm, and Candido grabs the mic. And it, this feels a bit like a like a Raw or a a Nitro uh, sort of segment rather than the main event mm-hmm. of a match. But anyway, uh, Candido saying, "What what is it that you're what is what does he say? What what are you going to do to me? What are you going to uh, give me? Where where?" where his ass kicking is or something like that yeah eventually he says what are you going to give me which is a weird phrase but obviously Storm in the Boston Crab then says head and uh, the lights go off and Al Snow's crazy music comes on I don't know what the music is it's probably dubbed over Um, and we see head emerge from in between the curtain just like sort of getting uh, jumped up up and down like heads having a dance and then Al Snow comes out the crowd goes absolutely mad and Jerry Styles is like this is brilliant he knew all along uh, yeah it's, it's all a bit like yeah is this sorry I, I missed Sonny turning on Landstorm didn't I yeah um, yeah they do a, a bit of a, a predictable turn so predictable that he he himself Landstorm knew it was going to happen. Yeah, um, yeah. She she ta- she tags in. Francine gets in her face. Um, she then kind of hits Landstorm from behind. But then Sunny, oh. poor Sunny, she kind of half falls into the hole that's in the <laughs> ring in the corner. She that's kind of really badly segmented off that they're not supposed to to uh, work in at all. But yeah, poor poor woman half falls into it. Is this when she's got the biscuit tray, the cookie tray thing? Is this during this match and she kind of <sighs> completely fluffs it? Mm. Yeah? No? I mean, I've not got it in my notes, but it, it could be. Um, yeah, so it basically turns around that Al Snow is going to end up being Landstorm's partner. Landstorm knew that Sonny would screw him, so he had another partner waiting. Yeah. Yeah. Go figure. Snowplow from Al Snow. As he, he hit somebody with a snowplow, I can't remember who it was. It's, but at this uh, point, Sh- I've stopped Shane writing Douglas. notes. Uh, Shane Douglas, is it? Who also falls a little bit into the hole yeah. in the ring. Uh, but I think that may have been more intentional. Uh, yeah. At this point, the fans just go fuck it and start <laughs> filling the ring with these polystyrene heads. Yeah. And you can barely see anything. It looks like it's snowing on the pay-per-view. <laughs> which yeah. is just out of control. Yeah, it's... Um, I, I quite like... There's You get Candido, Sunny, Francine all throwing the polystyrene heads out of the <laughs> ring, but they're just filling more and more and more. <laughs> um, and uh, Al Snow leaves through the crowd. Um, and then there's a, a, a nice sign-off line by Joey Styles at the end. Where he says, for now, we're all getting head in Asbury Park. Wow. <laughs> well played, Jerry. Uh, how do you how do you find this overall? Sounds like you enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it. Um there there are some ups and downs, you know, we we talked about the slow start. Um, you know, through everything with the the RVD and the uh, Scorpio match, that that was good. That was just a really, really good match. Um the the spots, some of the moments in the like the new Jack and uh, Spike dive from the balcony, um, quite enjoyed Tommy Dreamer and Just Incredible. 
I, I like the story behind Taz and Bam Bam, and mm. you know the what what happened in the ring. A bit like you, I think this being on last, it felt like we'd already hit the peak of the show. And yeah. Then, uh, this this maybe should have been a bit earlier, but it's obviously a big storyline they're going with. I looked into it a little bit, and then um, Lance Storm was at a point aligned with the the triple threat. Um, they basically threw him out to incorporate Bam Bam into mm, the group. Okay. So there is, you know, a, a good reason behind the animosity uh, within the group. When I was looking at it as well, I, I realised it was in a previous run, but the original triple threat was apparently Shane Douglas, Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit. Yeah, I saw that as well, and they were going for a kind of four horsemen type vibe. Yeah, uh, which... I kind of wish I'd seen a bit of because yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. but uh, generally enjoyed the show. I thought there was a lot of good. There's there's some not so good in there, but I uh, thought it was outweighed by what was good. Uh, yeah, good entertainment. Yeah, agreed. I think you could watch this in isolation and enjoy it without knowing what's going on. They do a good job of sort of filling you in. Certainly, Jerry Styles does a good job of filling you in about what's happened. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed it as well. It was good fun. Yeah. Um, and the the following night was pretty much a recap with still image uh, highlights of the pay per view. I don't yeah. know if it's the following night, but the following show. Yeah, yeah, it's that. That's what almost all of it is. We do have. There's a couple of segments. You've got Paul Heyman, who's talking about the fact that Candido and Storm are tag champs. Um, he's not going to strip them of the title just because they don't get along right. the reason they're tag champs is because nobody's been able to beat them and the only way it's going to change hands is, is in the ring uh, he says the pair will defend their belts um, and I quite like this because again it's adding a, just a little bit of logic to it, he says that if there's a swerve whoever turns on their partner will be fired Ooh. Um, which you know because it's so obvious that there would be mm. a swerve in a, in a match between two tag champs that don't like each other so uh, I don't know where that goes and, and who they end up up against but uh, that's one of the only two I think original things that were on the show the other one right at the end was a, a segment uh, sort of interview segment with the triple threat Um Shane Douglas is uh, kind of he must have had a little bit of an altercation with Taz about what the more important belt was Ooh. and uh, basically saying well it doesn't really matter anymore because the triple threat have got the belts now um, ah, and uh, he he talks about how Al Snow has stumbled into no man's land uh, calls him a gimmick wrestler that doesn't belong in ECW um, the, it, and he's, he's a really good talker in this actually Douglas says that the reason he started this company um, now I know he was the guy that threw down the old belt and, and declared the new belt uh, the ECW Extreme Championship Wrestling title um, so I suppose that did mark a big change mm -hmm. for the company but he refers to himself as the guy that started this company and dragged them into pay-per-view world Um and but now Al Snow has has got in his in his head, no pun intended, I don't think. <laughs> uh, and he he wants to know who the better man is, so he challenges Al Snow to a match. Okay. How like, how how could WWF or WCW not make that Shane Douglas character work? Yeah, I I don't know, and it does make me wonder because it it's working so well as as this character here. 
and Triple H is probably just starting to become this similar type mm -hmm. uh, at this stage. It does make me wonder if he would have had a big influence in not not mm. wanting Shane Douglas to, to get over mm. in WWE because I mean he, he had a run as was it Dean Douglas um, where he was playing a Dean or you know somebody involved in the running of a educational institution um, <laughs> but it, it, that doesn't seem to fit at all when you see what he's capable of yeah absolutely um, so yeah I don't, I don't think it worked massively for him in WCW either and I know that he I think he had some issues with Ric Flair. I don't oh, think really? he got on. Um, and I suppose if you're in WCW and you don't get on with Flair, that's probably not going to work out that well for you. Mm. Um, so shame. Yeah, it, it is, because he's, he's kind of got everything. Mm -hmm. When you hear him and see him like this, he's he's a good worker, he's got a promo. Um, if you put him in the right storylines, I don't think there's any doubt he could make it work. Interesting to see where this goes. I think the next pay per view is May, so we'll we'll catch up okay. with what's going on there. Um, I hope that that sounds like we're getting little breadcrumbs off a Taz Shane Douglas uh, feud somewhere down yeah. the road. That'd be nice. That'd be cool. Yeah. Oh well. That was that was extreme. Yeah. It was incredibly extreme, Adam. From extreme to WrestleMania. Is that where we are next? That's I never actually looked to, to see what was next. That's okay. where we're going next. Uh, WrestleMania 14 will be next for us. Um, cool. And we we have we have briefly broken that down, but we'll we'll do the the go home raw and we'll do the night after, and the night after is a good draw. Yeah. Now. I think, yeah, you, you mentioned we've we've briefly broke this down before, which would have been in our top five WrestleManias, I'm yep. thinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think what what we'll try to do with this is put a bit of a different spin on it because we were going match by match, but we're going to try and get into the storylines around yeah. each each uh, match and each key performer. So hopefully looking at it from a bit of a different angle and, and digging a little bit deeper into those, which will be good. Definitely. Can't wait. Looking forward. It's, it's certainly not a chore to have to watch that WrestleMania again, and and it's been a while certainly since I've I've seen this sort of build up and uh, yeah. aftermath. So that'd be great. Yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, give us a shout on Instagram at Outlaws Pod if you are an extremist. <laughs> You're going to get some interesting stuff going your way. <laughs> that please don't do that. That's not what we're looking for. If you enjoy the extreme championship wrestling, <laughs> um, yeah, give us a shout. Otherwise, uh, we'll be back for episode 17 with, with WrestleMania 14. Um, so take it easy. Adam, what's the score? The score is Italy 1, Spain 0. Very nice goal by Chiesa about six, seven minutes ago. Nice. How, how, how far into it are we? Uh, 70 minutes played. Nice. Yeah. Hello. Forza Italia. Yeah. Yes. See you for episode 17. Adam, take it easy until then. Cheers. Cheers.